This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, David Hatfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. Justin Davis. Scoop. And sitting in for Tina this week, our good friend Seth Macy from the great state of Maine. Salutations. Welcome back, Seth. Thank you. Always a pleasure. We've got a great show for you this week. Uh, it, it, this week sees the return of our recurring segment, Real Mature Video Games. We are gonna, nice. We're going to flip through the 1993 Electronic Gaming Monthly buyer's guide and i've previewed it and it's a really good one but first uh we have a a really good question from one of our listeners this week so let's check in with the listeners listeners Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com just like justin did but i don't think it's the justin that we're talking with right now are you Uh, sure this justin says the other day (laughs) i was looking at my switch profile where it shows the games you play and how many hours you played them and to my amazement i had clocked in well over 300 hours into Stardew Valley. It got me thinking, what makes us decide what our favorite games of all time are? This is the most I believe I've ever spent on one video game time-wise. However, when I'm asked what my favorite games of all time are, I don't think I've ever said Stardew Valley. So what makes us, and more, what makes us, and more importantly, the Scoop Crew, decide what their favorite games are? Is it a game that you can zone out to? A game you spent a lifetime of hours playing? Something that just resonated with you at a personal time in your life, or all of the above? I'm interested to know what makes us choose the games we would choose to represent us. It's a good question. Interesting question. Yeah, I um, know that it's, for me, a combination of how much I played it initially, which usually, like, if I really like something, I'll probably play it again right away or try to 100% it or something like that, going back to when I was a little kid. So there's that kind of absorption of the game originally, and then this idea of, like, I'd rather play that game than another game, and that kind of lasting for a long Mm -hmm. time, me thinking, like, 
you know what? Like I could be playing Super Mario Brothers 3 right now and I'd probably be enjoying that more. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good indication. And then I also now have a little bit of a perspective of like, wow, that game's really well made. And that matters to me. It matters to me to like reflect on it and be like, oh my gosh, that decision was so cool for like my other kind of favorite games are like Metroid Prime and uh, Breath of the Wild and mm -hmm. Time. And I just, I love looking at those games from that perspective of just thinking about them more and more, reading about development on them, interviews and like kind of dipping into all these games and kind of really thinking about like at each stage of my life, like checking back in with them and thinking like, oh, I didn't realize that before. Those the, that's what makes my favorite games favorite keys. Do you think we're in a little bit of a different position than, than the, the layperson gamer who uh, maybe they, they're just thinking about, you know, this is the game that I had the most fun with. And maybe we are looking at games with a little bit more of a critical eye and trying to appreciate like, you know, well, the, them from an artistic or a development standpoint. But we, I, no, not, well, not when I'm talking about my favorite games of all mm. time, in my opinion. Because like, his favorite like, games are, like, objectively bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, a, few, a couple of them are. Um, but, uh, no, like, that's an emotional, personal thing for you, right? But, Damon, where I think that does come into play is when, as a group, we're talking about the greatest or top games of all time. Mm. Then, then we do have to define a criteria of, like, you know, how important is its historical significance to you know, it's ranking moving up and down our list of the top 100 games. But um, but in my opinion, not not when it's just a personal list of like, well, these are great to me and I don't need to justify them to anybody. Sure. So Seth, what's one of your favorite games and why do you think it it, it, it make makes that criteria? Well, one of my favorite games, my favorite game of all time is Mega Man 2 for the Hell Nintendo yeah. and cool. Game System. Cool. And part of that is because I can pick up and play Mega Man 2 at any time and it's just always I know it's like comfort food it's like eating mm -hmm. a pizza or eating your mama's <laughs> lasagna or something that you just you know it's just it feels wonderful and nice and familiar and it's the same when I play Mega Man 2 I have a weird boss order that I play that um, people say is wrong but that's okay you can start with Woodman as your first robot Whoa. boss what yeah oh. yeah you can start with you can beat him with the, the pew -pew shooter. wait well hold <laughs> it, on it, are you saying that people don't usually start with Woodman? I no. yeah, uh, no. People start with Metal Man. Yeah, it's yeah. Metal Man. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, but he's I, a, Woodman's really fun to beat because he's easy with your yeah with yeah. Your, your your normal gun. That, that I is a good place found to start. Totally this, viable. This, this it's boss just his, order his shield sucks. Like it's like yeah, that's the thing. It's, the it's because the metal blade is much more useful than the leaf shield. Yeah, that's the thing. Right. It's Mega Man's best weapon in any game. Hmm. I actually think it was an old like an EGM or, or some magazine, I found it in like an archive of where that boss order came from. And I was like, Oh, thank God. A piece of my life has been a, a question that I've been asking for years has been answered because most people have that same response. But yeah, I mean, I just, it's fun to me every time. It reminds me of being a kid. It like mm. reminds me of funner, simpler times when you would only have like one game. And thankfully Mega Man two was like <laughs> one game that mm -hmm. we could play for six or eight months. But for other games, like, Breath of the Wild is my favorite because it just was like it made me feel like differently about video games and what they could be and should be. Mm. Um, same with like Super Mario 64. Like there was a transformative experience the first time I sat down and played Super Mario 64. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's uh, the criteria is difficult because it's like a personal opinion as well as like uh, of uh, just being overwhelmed by I don't know, the, the newness, the the. Uh, yeah, the novelty. Yeah, the novelty I mean, I, of it. Yeah, 
I think the odds that a game will come out that will crack my all-time favorite games of all time list are basically zero. It's like <laughs> Super Mario 64 came out when I was a teen, and that's like the reason I it, it made me the person that I am today, and I'm in the career field I'm in today. It's like it doesn't matter <laughs> how good God of War Ragnarok is, right? Like it can't it can't stack up to like that experience in my mind. So Seth, you mentioned Mega Man yes. 2, make you feel like a yep. kid again. Justin uh, mentioned Mario 64. I, that was also a, a gamer life changing experience for me. The first time I was able to explore world in 3d. I wonder how much nostalgia uh, does affect uh, people's picks for their favorite games of all time. Because like, to be honest, it's been a long time since I've played Mario 64 and I'm pretty sure that Mario Odyssey is probably just, the more fun and better game to play today, you know, but if people had asked me, what's your favorite game of all time, I would like fire off Mario 64. Um, so I don't know how much do you think nostalgia does come into play? Yeah. yeah. I I think it absolutely is massively important. Like, you know, Mario 64 has a bad camera and the stars are really confusing and, and, you know, esoteric. The clues are for the star titles. If you don't know where they all are and that the whole game memorized as I do, like, there's any number of ways that that game is like probably pretty hard to appreciate, you know, in a more modern context, but like it's irrelevant. (laughs) It's my favorite game and and it always will be. That's fair. Yeah. Go ahead. Actually three of my favorite games released in like the last 10 years, like all time favorite red dead Two, breath of the wild and metal gear solid five. Those are like in my top five, they switch places, but you know, um, so I don't know. Yeah. So I, I have a point that I want to make about Justin's original question hmm. about uh, just the time spent with a game. Hmm. Um, not every game is designed or intended to be as replayable or as fresh or as interesting the second time through it as it was the original time or certain games like, you know, MMOs or Minecrafty, you know, open ended style games are um, they just they have a different intent behind them and how that game is trying to, you know, create an experience and form a relationship with the player. Um, and so, no, I, I don't think it's unusual at all that people's favorite games don't necessarily map to their most played games or the games that they have the most time in. Like, mm-hmm. I would characterize that as being a pretty normal thing. And, and it doesn't actually mean like I think the thrust of his question was like, oh, like maybe your secret your favorite games aren't what you actually thought they were. But like I you know i have a little bit of a different perspective on that i think it's fine if something's your favorite but you're not like super eager or keen to get back to it because it had challenging subject matter or the twist or unique aspect to it doesn't hit quite as hard the second time through yeah, yeah a lot of people probably have played a mobile game more than they've played their favorite game like that's you know not a good indicator of it for sure I mean, that's another thing about games, though, is that they trigger different parts of your enjoyment. Some trigger, like, a time-wasty, like, you know, uh, gambling sort of uh, trigger. Some are, are for, you know, exploration uh, is a thing that's, that's really appealing to me and other people. And then some are, like, friend experiences, you know, like fighting games and stuff like that. They, they have, like, uh, shooters, they have, like, more of an experience outside of the game that, that you enjoy and love. And I think that's just as important. Um and I know when we've gone around this group, I don't think we had a lot of example or maybe no no examples of those like big like communal games. But like a lot of those are, are kind of probably the best fun I've had playing games. But they're with people. But for some reason, I just prioritize my single player experiences as like my favorite. I, I, and that's what I like gaming wise too. Like I'd rather play a game by myself than with other people. You know, there's times places for the other stuff, but that's why I like sure. to play games. And I don't want to read with other people either. You know. 
<laughs> okay, interesting question from Justin. I'm a serious other Justin out there. Uh, I'd like to hear at some of Scoop Nation uh, how they decided their own personal favorite games. So if you're in the Facebook group, um, somebody somebody start the discussion. One of the one of the admins, maybe Forgey, can uh, start the discussion over there. And of course, if you aren't in the uh, Facebook group for uh, Game Scoop, definitely come and join us. It's a good group of like-minded gamers uh, with lots of fun gaming discussion. Let's move on to a couple new games that are out that I've been playing. I think someone else has been playing as well. I've been playing two games that both uh, sort of uh, revolve around great pixel art. First one is Axiom Verge 2, which was surprise, released yesterday on Switch, PS4, and PC. I'm playing on PS4. I believe, is everyone else playing Axiom Verge 2? No, I didn't get to start it yet. I downloaded it. I'm almost there. That's Uh, close. No, you basically beat the game. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> uh, but Seth is playing it? Yes, I was playing it uh, right before we started yeah. uh, the show today. So I was a big fan of the original Axiom Verge, so I've been looking forward to this one, and I've, I'm probably four or five hours into it, and I'm liking it a lot. It's, uh, it's, I think it's different. It's actually been a long time since I've played Axiom Verge 2, several years. So um, Obviously, you know the big draw is uh, pixel art. I think the pixel art is good. Seth, would you agree it's not like the best example of modern day pixel art? Yeah, no, it's it's very good, but it's it's yeah, it's not the best. It's no Mega Man two. <laughs> it's no Mega Man two. We can. Who's that little robot that. buddy? You have a That's drone. Your... You have a little drone yeah. that you can toss out, and the drone can kind of well, it can kind of go into. I don't know if it's like another dimension. Cool. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, yeah, like the dark dimension. Yeah, there's the dark world to. aspect to it. How's the mapping? Is it is it Metroid like Castlevania like? I mean, it is a it's a yeah you know, it's a Metroidvania game. Uh, you always have your next destination marked on your map, even if you haven't cleared or if you, even if you haven't revealed that area. So it's just like the black space that you at least you know that like, that's the sort of direction you need to be heading. Yeah. And but I did get in my time last night. I did already sort of get stuck and didn't know where to go. One thing that's cool, I don't think you can see it here, is that you have a compass in the bottom left hand corner of the screen. Seth, do you agree? I thought that was a pretty cool, uh, you know, way of like letting you know where something interesting might be yeah. around you because it's, it's just a circle compass, and it, it it sort of glows brightly in the direction of some sort of collectible or item that might oh. be nearby, and you can yeah, always cool. always sort of make your way in that direction. I thought that was pretty cool. So you don't have to use the map as like a total like the only way of knowing how to uncover stuff. The compass right. is there to help you normally, but like I said, I did eventually get stuck last night and <clears throat> was just sort of like wandering around randomly trying to figure out where I could go next. Uh, so, Seth, how are you finding Axiom Verse 2? I'm enjoying it quite a bit, actually. It does a lot of things really well. Um, you know, like the traditional sort of Metroidvania map is just a black, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, it just shows you the squares, but this one actually shows you like the terrain of that area in the map very small i didn't play the first one i have the first one because i'm a compulsive person i just buy every game Mm -hmm. um but i never played i don't know if that's like brought over from the first one but i like i really appreciate that because instead of being like oh that's four squares up and three squares over i can be like oh yeah that's where that glacier is i can see it on my mini map now so yeah i'm i'm not very far into it i only just started playing it last night but uh, i'm gonna stick this through i love the atmosphere of it it and i'm i'm going into it pretty blind i haven't really read anything other than I, I scanned our review of it, hmm. you know, beforehand to see if it was actually worth my time. But uh, yeah, like I, it, it gives me the, the feeling I used to get when I would play, you know, like a like an old NES game. You just you'd rent it and it'd be like, hey, this is cool. I don't know what this is. Like the uh, the NES Strider, 
Yeah. Um, I think I loved that game. I know people kind of talk crap on it, but like the opening of this game sort of reminded me of the opening of that NES game, like the sort of Arctic setting yeah, and, sure. and cool sci-fi stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm digging this. It's got well, really cool music, although the music isn't chiptune, really. No. So it, it doesn't really match the Apis style. But then I feel like all these sound effects are very like retro gaming, 8-bit sounding sound effects. Yeah. I, and I like that. That's not a complaint. I think it's, it's a cool aesthetic. I, I yeah. played a little bit of the first game, but what I do know about it is that I, I know people that are such big fans of it. And so I think this is, you know, like that, that game was just a little bit simplistic and uh, drab for me. Uh, to to pull me into the Metroidness of it, and this mm-hmm. immediately fixes that with the aesthetic. I mean, I know the pixels aren't exactly what I'm normally into, but like just the just the world and the colors and the different environments is just like a big step up from like kind of you know techno yeah. subterranean exploration. Yeah, yeah. So far, so good. I'm quite liking it. I think both of you, Sam and Justin, will like it as well. I can't wait. And then I've also been playing Picross Genesis Edition. I think I've completed. <laughs> mm-hmm. 46 or 47 of the puzzles so far nice uh and yeah like i was saying it's like it's just what i needed to get me back into picross i love the formula of picross i bought the first two or three picross s games that came to the switch there's like a hundred of them now Uh, and eventually i just sort of got a little bit bored with the generic pixel art that you were uncovering but now i'm i'm uncovering very recognizable classic characters and items from classic uh sega genesis and master system games and it's great you really great fun uh, it's really interesting to hear you give that feedback because I actually kind of feel the opposite where oh. I, I'm still only doing the 10 by 10 puzzles. I haven't made my way to the, mm. the higher resolution ones, but um, all the it's like you're finding like, hey, look, it's the turn right sign from yeah. Outrun. And <laughs> that's like, why I think it's so funny. <laughs> but like it's not I, I thought mean, it, I thought I was going to be getting like Kid Chameleon and like, you know, Sonic. But yeah, but think about no, what you're going to get with a 10 by, you know, you got 10 by 10 pixels. You know, oh, I just saw you're not going to get flag. Yeah, you're not going to get the full like dragon from Alter Beast in that little. You have, you're going to have to get to the bigger bigger puzzles yeah. first. Hey, that's a good point. And I do Go ahead. Doesn't Nintendo own the basically trademark for Picross? That's their thing, right? Cuz this is made by Sega, like it's published by Sega. So it's I, either it's I think Jupiter might own I, I don't recall exactly what the rules are. I think the rules are only one company can actually call it Picross. Anyone yeah. can make that style of puzzle, but they have to call it something. Yeah, I don't think that this game's actually called Picross on anything other than Nintendo consoles. And so I I don't remember if Jupiter the developer owns it or if Nintendo owns it, or maybe they like you know, they pay Jupiter to just make the Picross games on their behalf, but there's clearly some sort of special direct Nintendo relationship there between them and the developer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm loving it. It's great. I wish there were a little bit more in the in the presentation department. Like after you like uh, you know reveal the the character or whatever, give us a little information about the game or the character or where they're from. Maybe show a quick little animation or something. That would have been nice. But yeah. For, there there is um there is dope Sega music in yeah. the game. There is classic yeah. Sega music in there too. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I actually picked this one up as well. So I nice. bought two games yesterday, and I am really enjoying. It. I I'm only on the ten by ten puzzles as well. But I one of my favorite things about Picross. Is when it, you you finish the puzzle and then the the you know the the picture that it shows doesn't look anything like what you thought it was going to be. Like oh it's yeah. a it's wheat 
Okay. <laughs> didn't expect that. Damon, do you use the visuals, like the image that's emerging as like a clue to like help you like, oh, like I think I know where I need to start putting pieces I, next or you're yeah. only using the numbers? I'm only using the numbers because it's just, it's so hard to like guess. I think yep. there's probably a pixel here, you know, who knows? Yeah. I'm always too scared that like, yeah. even if I'm pretty positive, uh, I can't, I like the pattern recognition. I'm worried that the pattern's going to break and then I don't trust it. And I don't know about you, but I really can't work backwards if I realize I've made a mistake. Even if, if I like, I'm, I'm near, I'm like 75% complete and I realize, wait, this doesn't line up. Well, I got to start over. Like I can't yep. like, I can't think <laughs> my way back out of it. There's, there's yeah. like levels of Picross enlightenment. And I think by the way, that like pair is like Picross Buddha. Cause he's yeah. reached like the highest level of Picross enlightenment, but like yeah. I'm getting there. And what I like, they come out, you're right that there's a million of those games now. They come out with another one every five or six months. And each time I feel like I get like one notch higher on like the Picross, whatever you want to call it, like pyramid. And like, now I'm usually able to like unwind, like pick apart a mistake and like rewind it and get it back to a state where I can fix it. But that's, but that's new. Like I didn't used to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. I love it. You Highly d- recommend you, you definitely learn like, dude, it is crazy. It's like learning a foreign language. It's like, Oh, like, you know, one, one, five. Like I know exactly, like I know exactly what goes where and what to do. And you can just like auto fill in like half yeah. the puzzle before you even start. I have gotten to the point where I can add up the numbers and the spaces in between the numbers to know. Mm-hmm. And I know at a glance if like they're actually going to, they yep. would just naturally plot their way across the board. Yep. I'm at, I'm at, that, I'm at that point. And you know what fits? Like if it's an eight in a row of 15, you get that yep. one dot in the middle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's been a long time since I've played Picross. Good to be back. Okay. This is a segment we call Real Mature Video Games. <laughs> and uh, Seth, I don't believe you've had the pleasure before. I have not. Here, uh, you're going to try and guess. Um, I've got two games. These are upcoming games that haven't been released yet, okay. but they're going to be rated M. And the reason we know this is because they've been rated by the ESRB. And the ESRB publishes uh, the ratings before the games are released, and they, they give a list of reasons why, what the content is in the game that earned them Boy. the M rating. So I'm going to read... Uh, the, the descriptions of the mature content in these games, and we work our way backwards because the ESRB listing begins with a very specific description of the game that's pretty obvious. So we start from the bottom of the description where they're listing out exactly why they earned their M rating. So we'll work our way back, and we'll see how long it takes to guess the games. Got it. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm excited. I mean, there are two games. Here's the first one. Okay. okay. Upcoming M-rated game. Characters sometimes reference drugs and getting high on fictional drugs. <laughs> Fictional drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the re-release of Cyberpunk on the consoles? No, this is a new game. New game. Okay. I, I I'm having trouble. If you were like Justin, name an upcoming M-rated game, <laughs> I'd be like. Mm. <laughs> During uh, one, the, I'm thinking of the grittier ones like Far Cry. Yeah. Oh. And that one's yeah. all about drugs. You should just yeah. guess that. Yeah, is it Far Cry 6? This is, this is not Far Cry 6. But during one mm. sequence, a character is seen in a room while sexual moaning sounds are heard. Oh. Cutscenes depict instances of intense violence. Players' characters stabbed repeatedly in first person or characters shot in the head at close range. Okay, okay, first person. That's a good clue. Yeah, we don't, oh, but, uh, some... but not, 
Now you got Far Cry on my brain. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I mean, the upcoming first person things are like Battlefield. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is it Battlefield? It is not Battlefield. But some weapons and attacks can decapitate or dismember enemies. Uh, is it is it the new arcane game? Oh, uh, the, is there a game? Is there a title? The um, yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. What is it called? Loop something? Oh, loop, loop hero. Or loop. It is death loop, not loop hero. Yep, death loop. Hey. Uh, the the. The listing begins with, this is a first-person shooter in which players follow the story of two assassins trapped in a mysterious time loop on a fictional island. Oh, yeah. You definitely need to run these backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, why, that's why you can't start with that. Deathloop is out next month. PS5 timed console exclusive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Reset your, reset your mature minds. Mm-hmm. This is game number two. In game number two, one sequence depicts a man snorting drugs in the distance. I mean, why is that an important detail? <laughs> During one sequence, player's character is seen drinking alcohol, and the screen gets progressively distorted. Now, See, now, now, now we're in a Far Cry zone, but it's like, <laughs> could this? It seems tame for Far Cry, <laughs> but we know it's a mature game. Contains some suggestive sexual material. A soldier role playing with a fully clothed sex worker. Okay, uh, is it is it I mean, Far Cry Six? This one is Far Cry 6. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one snorting in a distance scene in that? <laughs> why are they... So, why? <laughs> yeah, it says... I'm this is... really... I'm really tickled by them. Like, but it's not close up. Yeah. It's far, far away. <laughs> I can't wait well, to also, play and get yeah. to that scene. And be like, that's it. Look, there's a guy in the background. <laughs> also, role-playing with a fully clothed <laughs> sex worker. It's pretty sure. tame. So, what, I mean, that could be D&D. That's- <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I don't think it's that kind of role play, Damon. <laughs> I mean, if your clothes are on, you know. I don't know. Okay. okay. Aren't we all playing? This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Rolls. Okay, oh. let's, let's take a look at the 1993 Electronic Gaming Monthly 
Video yes. Game Buyer's Guide. Let me get this all open here. I'm going to share my screen. 93. So we're getting... I, it's, it's firmly entrenched in the 16-bit console war era. I mm-hmm. definitely had this and read it at least 100 times. Okay, so the Electronic Gaming Monthly's 1993 Video Game Buyer's Guide with Sonic 2, Street Fighter 2... I think that's Turtles in Time on the cover here. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Seth, you said you had this one? I 100% had this one. I recognize read it, it cover to cover. Mm-hmm. We begin with a, a, just a strange <laughs> ad for Spanky's yeah, Quest, goodness. which is, isn't this on Nintendo Switch Online? <laughs> I think it is, actually. I think this is just one of those completely random I mean, games that I are I would have there. picked it up if I knew it was recommended by Archie. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So it's Spanky's Quest for Super Nintendo and Game Boy, and it, the, it just, the copy says, look, these are the games we've been waiting for. <laughs> What does that mean? It's no, the same game, which one's yeah, black and like, white. No one was waiting for Spanky's Quest. It's not like this is the home version of Street Fighter 2. Well, that's why they had to tone down the language. It's not like, this is the best game ever. Please be yeah. excited. It's like, look, these are the games we've been waiting for. But that it's slogan spank- is insane. It's not like, oh, like family-friendly platforming for the kids. It's, just, it's like These are the games we've been waiting for. Literally anything could be underneath those words, yeah. and it would be just as equally relevant. <laughs> and at the bottom it says recommended by Archie from the comics. So wow. yeah, that, that is like, that, Jughead like, hated it. Is that an Archie character? Is that, I don't think like so. Because Nike is a, no. a monkey or a chimpanzee. I can't tell if you have yeah, a tail. This is a Natsume game so wait a also. second. Then what does this mean? <laughs> exactly. It's it, some it, kind it makes of no cross sense. promotion. But what we know is that Spanky was the game people were waiting for, and it was recommended by Archie. Okay. Yep. Uh, this is an ad for Thunder Spirits on Super Nintendo, and it's like a kid's <laughs> face being distorted like he's been pull- pulled through a wormhole or something. It says yeah. hurl through space. Hurl was a very big word in the, in the 90s. Right. Back then, it meant puke. But, yep. this, but there's like, it's, it's hard to tell exactly. You have to like kind of squint to like see what the game name is on the game box. Otherwise, you have no idea what this is, is an ad Thunder for. Thunder Spirit? Thunder Spirits, and there's two tiny little screenshots. So I think there's just a theme at this time of just ads that were actually hard to tell what game was being advertised. Mm-hmm. It was extreme. The uh, letter from the editor, 1992, the year interview. This is a good snapshot of the time. So it says, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, skip around a little bit. It says, Nintendo last year had, had problems. Their 8-bit system was rapidly losing popularity. Well, yeah, no crap. It was like... <laughs> Eight years old at that point. Practically for the year 2000 by then. (laughs) Uh, So their new 16-bit Super Nintendo looked great on paper, but just couldn't deliver when it came to good software. Sega, on the other hand, was riding high on the Hedgehog and couldn't get their systems to the stores fast enough to satisfy demand. Now it is Christmas 1992 and Nintendo is looking good. Their game programmers have been able to solve much of the slowdown and flicker <laughs> problems that plagued the Super NES last year, and there's a wide variety of new and innovative software to satisfy nearly everybody's interests. You name the game genre, whether it be RPG, action, adventure, quest, sports, or puzzle, and you'll find a half dozen good games in each category. Not bad for one year's work. Remember all that flicker from uh, Gradius well, yeah. 3? What, Gradius is, what 3. is that about? Yeah, it was a real thing, but I mean, like, Super, well, that's like, not Super Mario World. That, yeah, that's not what the yeah. Super Nintendo was notable for when it was launched. Yeah. Super that's Mario World is one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, yeah. people thought it was for babies. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it didn't. Nobody it, thought yeah. that. No, they it absolutely did. there. It they didn't did. have last yeah. processing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sonic so Mario World is totally like, like made to look like a game for little kids, even though like you know, it was a masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, it was also like made to. I think it was made to appeal to kids who had played, you know, the the first three games on my, on right. NES and it migrated to the next system. I remember being relentlessly knocking on Sonic Sonic's phones. Yep. Hmm. But, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can guarantee you that when I read this opening paragraph, I was infuriated as a <laughs> yeah. hardcore Nintendo fan at the time. I know. I know. I'm yeah. sure I penned him a strongly worded letter. Wasn't like Super Sunshine and Metroid Prime too? Metroid Prime was next year. 1992? Super Metroid. The Super NES came out in 91, so it, it, Metroid it, came out very late, like 95. This is 93. Oh, oh, so 93. This Fires is, guy. Yeah, this was released in like December 1992. Yeah. And it's funny what they say about Genesis. It says, um, the long-awaited Sonic 2 is out, as are Streets of Rage 2 and a new batch of sports games. Unfortunately, the Sega lineup of new carts just isn't as deep as what will be out for the Super Nintendo. A new RPG like the next edition of the Fantasy Star series is really needed, as is a new Quest game. And it's just <laughs> funny to think, we need a Quest game. Like what? Like a, like a Legend of Zelda type? Like they're beyond a waste. Executive yeah. just chomping on a cigar. The kids need some Quest games. <laughs> <laughs> Get me some quest games. Here's an ad for a slew of games from Interplay. Uh, if I squint, it's from Trackmeet and 4-in-1 Fun Pack on Game Boy. And then Lost Vikings, Out of This World, and some type of car game for Super Nintendo. But again, you can't even tell what these games are. And it just says, you're going to be late for dinner. And there's a <laughs> montage of images from the box arts. Um, well, how about this ad? This is from Taito. Oh, <laughs> kills me. So the ad is for a slew of games, Power Blade 2, Little Samson, and Hit the Ice on NES, and then Hit the Ice Game Boy, The Jetsons, and The Flintstones on Game Boy. So none of these games have anything to do with surfing, but that's what the major imagery in the ad is, a guy surfing. What, what people watching this now that weren't alive and weren't reading magazines back then need to understand is that <laughs> the, the advertisements were content just the same as the articles yes. were to the kids reading the magazine. Sure. I would look sure. at these box arts and read these blurbs and it was absolutely indistinguishable. Like it was just as entertaining and good to me as like the actual <laughs> reviews and real content that like, you know, wasn't paid to be there on the next page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 for sure. So, Power Blade 2 is a pretty valuable game. Little Samson. Little Samson also. That is the, that is, like, probably the hardest standalone cartridge to find for the NES. I mean, mm. maybe the Flintstone surprises Dino Peak, but, like, man, that's insane. And and it, all, all these were, like, late Taito games. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is very late, of course. Uh, Power Blade 2 is also a very good game. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so EGM's Best and Worst of 1992. Their video game of the year... Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. too surprising. Obviously. That was uh, the I game of the year on all systems. that's the only game people really played that year. I mean, if you read these magazines around this time, they're literally always talking about Street <laughs> Fighter 2. Yeah. Best Super Nintendo game, Street Fighter 2. Best Genesis game, though, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And then best NES game of the year, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And listen to this. They say, the Turtles' last adventure before they took the jump to 16-bit is easily the best game ever to hit the NES. What? Wow! <laughs> you can't just drop that in the Easily. middle. Of... This is what? what a recency bias looks like. <laughs> yes, exactly. Dude, by the time somebody angrily wrote a letter about that, uh, it was like four <laughs> months later. They're like, "Oh, we said that. Oh, okay." <laughs> I wanna, Teenage I wanna... Mutant Ninja Turtles three, easily the best game <laughs> the best. ever for NES. 
I think I may be wrong about this. I think, by the way, that this magazine came out in a tiny pocket of time where Street Fighter wasn't on the Genesis yet. It, it, it the Championship Edition came mm. out later, and it didn't I don't, arrive I, at the same time. No. I, I think no, the it was S, on Super NES. The SNES Earth. was the only one with Street Fighter Two for a hot second, and yeah, then Genesis I, got, got the Championship I, Edition. The SNES got two Street Fighters before the Genesis. It even got Turbo before the Genesis did. I thought Turbo came out after Championship but you, Edition. But you know what, Genesis. Had Mortal Kombat with blood, so nobody cared. That's true. Yep. That's true. Turbo Graphics, best game of the year, Arizonk. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Uh, the best RPG of the year on all systems was Cosmic Fantasy II on the Turbo Duo. Ah. You know that I one? Check that out. I don't say. know that one at all. Sounds good. It was. It's cool that that Turbo Duo game could win RPG of the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looks best. like it has like anime cutscenes on the yeah, CD. Yeah, exactly. It's all it took. Best action <laughs> adventure uh, game was Super Star Wars. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the best portable I mean, game of the year. We all liked it at the time. It's just really hard to revisit. Yeah. Best portable game of the year was Sonic 2 on Game Gear. Sports game Madden 93. Uh, and then most innovative new game out of this world. Which that's I, a great game. Yeah. That's a great game. Very cool. It's cool to see Madden all the way back then. Big deal. Yeah. 93. Wasn't a guarantee. People really liked uh, that Joe Montana talking football. <laughs> Joe Montana, sports talk and football. <laughs> uh, best graphics was a Neo Geo game called Viewpoint, which has an isometric view, kind of like Zaxxon. And this is my favorite thing. I love this. Best video game system, Super Nintendo. Woo! All right. Sam, in our, in our, in our best of this year, I want, to, I want IGN to pick a best pick video game system. Every year. Do it, do it. Can you imagine? a winner every year. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? The the fanboys in the comments would lose their minds if we actually picked a best system. I think we should. I love it. I mean, why not? We've um we've pointed out before that back then magazines used to call uh, Link to the Past Zelda 3 a lot. Yeah, that's here. Another thing I want to shout out. Best video game sequel, Legend of Zelda 3. It's never called that anymore. Never. Oh, what about all that flicker and slowdown that plagued him? <laughs> yeah, no. uh, best music is that, again, Viewpoint, that Neo Geo game. The best new peripheral is the Sega CD. Man, I need to check out Viewpoint, apparently, too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've even played that one. Uh, most Man, that was early for the Sega CD. I mean, well, it wasn't early, but it was like, that's the earlier yeah. model, which is really funny looking. Most number of sequels, and then the winner is Mega Man 5, which is kind of odd. Oh, that should have just been the Mega Man series. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. If that's and also, okay. yeah, even at that point in '93, wouldn't like what Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest what? have that title? I don't know. No, maybe. Um, in uh, dra- well, Final Fantasy uh, four came out in 1992 or three, right? <clears throat> that's that's two here. Um, yeah. we uh, well for Mega Man five, it's kind of funny also because like Mega Man six was to come, but there was also Mega Man seven and Mega Man Soccer right right that, at that time too. Yeah. Man X. Not close to heaven. This is an odd award. Best cartoon to game. Is that really something they were going to give out every year? The winner is just Death Valley Rally, which I believe is a Roadrunner game. Seth, yep, you yeah. game. I owned it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Best, it was actually a really difficult platformer, but it looked really good. Best game system that is a year late is the Super NES CD-ROM. Whoa. Oh, wow. It's more than more a year. Than a year. <laughs> yeah. Best trick that didn't work is their own Shane Long and Street Fighter 2 April Fool's joke. Absolute mm-hmm. okay. legend. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they say, wow, never did we expect to get worldwide coverage for a trick that was meant to be a harmless April Fool's joke. Strangest license, the incredible Crash Dummies. 
I like some of these Hell yeah. categories. Worst video game That's sequel. Game. Worst video game sequel, Home Alone 2. Notoriously bad game. <laughs> worst it's movie to game. Video or movie sequel as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like That's true. Game worst to the material. Oh, so this is weird. Worst video game sequel is Home Alone 2, but worst movie to game is The Rocketeer. I guess it's not a sequel. <laughs> they just wanted to bag on Home Alone 2 extra. Yeah. Most lawsuits went to Sega of America, and yeah. dumbest lawsuit went to Sega of America versus Jan Coyle. I thought this was interesting. I'll read this one. It says, Sega comes through again with another strange lawsuit, which they should never have gotten into. Apparently, a Mr. Jan Coyle has the patent for moving computer-generated graphics on a TV screen. Whoa. All, all the major companies realized that Coyle's patent was sound, and they settled out of court. Some genius at Sega had a brilliant idea that everybody else thought wrong, and they then decided to take the case to court. Here comes the good part. Had they settled out of court, Sega would only have had to pay a measly $7 million to get the rights from Mr. Doyle. But no, they went to court and lost, as all the other game companies expected. They ended up paying $43 million. Nice oh, move, wow. Sega. All of us players, uh, says, uh, you could have put... That's $36 million bucks you could have put into game development. All of us players would now be playing Sega games rather than Super Nintendo carts. Whoa. With an exclamation point <laughs> yeah. at the end there. Ooh, to really drive home the point. I've, I've, never, I've never heard this. I've never heard of Jan Coyle, but I feel like if they own the rights to moving graphics on the screen, that, sh- that seems pretty important for video games. <laughs> like, can you imagine holding that patent and then seeing yeah. a worldwide oh. video game industry spring up around you? So yeah. lucky. I vaguely remember this story. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Best video game that never came out in the U.S. was Parodius. Accurate. It's a good game. And then best video game rumor was Street Fighter 2 for Genesis and Turbo CD and Arcade Street Fighter 3. So just more more Street Fighter stuff. Mm. People are crazy about it. This is an ad for... Roland's Curse 2 on Game Boy, a sequel to a game I've never even heard of. So I just think it's um, (laughs) a full-page ad for a, a sequel to a Game Boy game. I'd never heard of. Cool. I don't I've know. Never heard of this either. But King American that. Sammy action. King Barius lives. Oh, does he? <laughs> Who's like a dragon? A, a, a anthropomorphic dragon standing in lava and looking yeah. up at the camera. We're looking down at them. Super I guess. cool. I guess in the world where everybody looks like dragons, that's how Terminator Two ends. That's true. That is true. So he's a robot dragon. Wow! No, no, I'm just in this alternate no. reality where he is a dragon who is also a robot, okay. cybernetic organism, living <laughs> tissue over a metal endoskeleton. All right, EGM rates the systems of 1993. Oof. The NES got three fours and a five, so they're just they're giving the review crew treatment to uh, consoles. And the Super <laughs> Nintendo got what? Go ahead. I just want to double click on the NES here. It's just so funny to me that it's just like. Ugh. Like, it's old. Who cares anymore? Yeah. Four. I know. I know. Like, the NES. Like, I mean, I guess, yeah. If you're, like, if you're giving a buyer's guide for what to buy in 1993, sure. But, like, what a weird... Like, you know, we can review the PS2 and, or PS3 and give it, like, a two right now and be like, the games look horrible compared to new games. It's, it's like, old. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's just a weird thing to do. The Super Nintendo got three nines and an eight, and the Genesis got four eights. Poor Master System, though. Two twos, two threes. Ouch. Yeah. And then the Game Boy got a 6452. Sushi X gave it a 2. said, why is this system still on the market? It is completely defunct with about one or two playable titles per year. A large library of games, which all blur, doesn't save this relic. It's just interesting to think, like, the Game Boy was such a huge success. Yeah. Yeah. The media was like, It for many, many years after this issue was printed. This is pre-Pokemon. 
Yeah, this uh, is pre-Pokemon, and we're still a couple of years away from Game Boy Color, I think. Yeah. They really like the Sega CD, too. Three eights and a nine. Ooh. Wow. I'm down with that one. There's a whole feature on CDs, the future of video gaming. I mean, they weren't wrong. Mm-hmm. Sam, why is there a full-page ad for Stanley, the search for Dr. <laughs> Livingston? Oh, man. Nintendo Power pushed this hard, too. On NES. Cover, cover story. I, again, Whoa. It's, you don't need full-page ads for NES games, especially NES games that no one would play. I, uh, yeah, I remember the the whatever whatever its presence was in Nintendo Power, it made me keenly interested in it, and I never even saw the cartridge. Yeah. I mean, now I've seen it, but this is terrible art, too. By the way, yep. this. And then here, another baffling ad. It, it's for it's for California games two on Super Nintendo, and then two Game Boy games, Laszlo's Leap and Square Deal. Oh, Both puzzle games, and yeah. but the the, co- the big copy is Hit List with a period. <laughs> and then there's a, like a target on these three games. Like, doesn't make any sense. I mean, I can decipher that a little bit. It's that you know, it's a list of hit games, but a hit list is, is, is you know how you take out your enemy. Is if you're yeah. a hitman, you make a hit list. So yeah. they're in the cross sites. Like, there's a little bit to it. I don't know. I don't know about Laszlo's Leap though. Here is an ad for Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. It says Brain Transplant, $39.99. Here's a brainy idea. Pick up Mystic Quest, the world's first role-playing game, especially designed for the entry-level player. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Easy-to-read icons. Easy-to-read icons. Action. Put your head in the game immediately. Is this the one that in Japan is called Final Fantasy Easy Mode? Like, there's one that just straight up... Like, it's just straight up the title. is just like, it's this game is easy... Dot Final Fantasy. I mean, it could be. That, that was the idea of this game. I thought it was really fun when I was playing it. I was a little kid, though. Yeah, I think I played this one and liked it as well at the time. And this is an interesting ad for Sears. It says, Sears has decided to quarantine an area for Sega addicts. Hmm. Okay, so is Sears setting into, setting aside an entire area for just Sega games? Yeah. No. No, it says, finally great. a place that's designed have all the Sega Genesis games you're looking for in stock. It's called Funtronics. The new game department at Sears, where you'll find everything you just can't seem to get enough of. So I'm sure in this department they had everything, but this ad frames it as just an area for Sega games. So this is like some this is like some co-marketing deal between yeah. Sega and Sears. Uh, a preview for Pit Fighter, which I just I just wanted to give a mention. That was an arcade game that was really impressive for its graphics. Oh, it yeah. did the motion capture, the you know the uh, what's the word for it? Like Mortal Kombat style, where they yeah, filmed motion real people. Yeah, kind of. The well, game no, is not. Capture, you're right. Yeah, the game is not good, but it looked no. really, really cool in the arcades at the time. Yeah, yeah, that game was a big hit when my we like rented a Sega CD with some friends, and it was like, oh, oh man. this game looks amazing. Uh, they look real. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It four frames of animation. And this is an, uh, a, 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 I guess a, holy an, cow, an in-house ad for EGM to get people to subscribe. And we've we've mentioned this before. You, if you subscribe, you got a T-shirt. It's a black T-shirt that just says "In Your Face." Yes, EGM. I and it. I know Seth, like, I, I you would kill for this T-shirt, right? I, I was, I would pay a hundred dollars <laughs> for this T-shirt. Like, yeah, you could pay somebody less size. than that just to make you that T-shirt. No, yep. no, 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 it's got to be real. They didn't have the triple threading on the sleeves back then. That's <laughs> yeah. how you know. I want a, an authentic uh, vintage shirt. Mm-hmm. This is badass. <laughs> yeah. It's a black t-shirt that just says, in your face. In your face. 
Nice. It's so good. <laughs> I remember Nintendo uh, Power had a like Nintendo Power Club iron on, like a giant T-shirt iron on. Yeah. I totally got a white T-shirt and ironed that on and wore it. Nice. There's a whole strategy guide to Mega Man 4, which is interesting since Mega Man 5 was apparently already out at this time. Yeah. It's also and weird for that. Back to back. The annual buyer's guide. It's like, let's put the yeah. Mega Man 4 guide in it. That's yeah, weird. exactly. I believe this is just a regular issue of EGM, but they oh, oh, oh. marketed it as the buyer's yeah, guide. Yeah, that's what they did. And then finally, there's a preview of Bonk 4, the role-playing game, with several what? screenshots, but this would never come out. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, see, Damon, I, this is why I love looking through these old magazines. Oh, I mean, I love it for lots of reasons, but I especially love it, and I've talked about this on Scoop before, but like, y- sometimes you just think, well, everything's online. Like, everything's yeah. findable on the internet. It's all online, but you like see stuff and read stuff in these magazines that it's like, what? Yeah, we're just still like, learning. We're still learning about this. Oh, it's just, a lot of this is so forgotten. I love how Bonk. it's called the role playing game. Song <laughs> for the role playing game. And the screens look like they look like a early Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest game. Yeah, I'm look it up now. Three, two, one. Let's go. And now that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Andrew in Milliken, Colorado. Seth, are you undefeated? Lost once. Okay. Well. And it was, yeah. uh, it was, I said uh, Warcraft 3 and it was World of Warcraft. So. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we've got this time. Let, well, I wasn't here question. for one of them, but like we, we've been getting these on the last question. Mm-hmm. That's true. Been That's a little true. Bit Let's true. see how it goes this time. Let the questioning begin. Hmm. Uh, could this game have appeared in the 1993 Buyer's Guide issue of EGM? No. Hmm. That uh, narrows it down to uh, the other 39 years of the uh, video game industry. <laughs> Whatever. There's <laughs> been much dumber opening questions. It was totally appropriate for the episode. Was this game uh, made before the year 2000? Yes. Right. Oh, weird. That's a okay. little. That's a little sandwich. That, that's actually really, really good. Uh oh. Oh, no. oh, we lost. We lost. God, it sets. bless it. Did your camera die? Overheat. Yeah, it's overheating. <laughs> oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it does that sometimes too. Yeah, it's a warm summer's day here in Maine. Um, yeah, it must be. Uh, did this? Uh, d- d- is this a um, platform exclusive game? No. Did it come okay, out okay, okay. on a? Uh, did it come out on sixty four? No. Hmm. It's not platform exclusive. Did not come out. Well, a lot of games didn't come out on N sixty four. To be fair. Yeah, that would have narrowed what, it down significantly. Did, did this game come out? Was this game originally released on uh, the sixteen bit consoles? No, that's five. Okay. Man, for having a seven-year gap like range, we've sort of blown a few questions. Well, here, so. he said it wouldn't be in the buyer's guide, but that just means it wasn't from like ninety-two or ninety-three. I mean, it could be uh, seventy-seven uh, to. It means it could have been referenced up to that point. Is how we use that question. Yeah, okay. that's generally how we use that question. So wait, so it's um, like physically could not have appeared because it was just a oh, okay a gl- glimmer right. in the eye of the developer. It's not a sixteen-bit game. It, uh, that bit, and it's not an N64 game, but wait, did what was the platform exclusive question? It's not a platform exclusive. Does that mean like PlayStation and Saturn? Yeah, or I don't know if it could apply to arcade and PC and stuff like that. Oh, good point. Did uh, this game come out on cartridge? 
No. Okay, so it's a CD-ROM game. Which is, is the future, game- as we've just learned. Yep. <laughs> is this game developed in Japan? No. Um, was it on the PlayStation 1? Was it on the PlayStation 1? Yes. Okay. Western developed so PlayStation probably was on that and PC or that and, and you know, Saturn. And something like that. But Saturn yeah. wouldn't make sense for Japanese. It probably is PlayStation PC. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Or it's like an early, like it came out before the N64 came out. Like, uh, like just any, like, you know, the Saturn had parody with the PS1 for a hot second before it fell behind. Uh, okay. Do you, do you, do you drive or pilot vehicles in this game? Mm, I don't think so. Does it have 3D graphics? Does it have 3D graphics? Yes. That's Tim. Tim and Sam, you may want to refresh real quick. Graphics, PlayStation 1, non-exclusive. Um, not made in Japan. Not made in Japan. I'm thinking Tomb Raider, but that seems like it's too easy of a game. Tomb Raider? Yeah. Tomb Raider was, I yeah, believe, Dreamcast on Saturn, Raider. actually. Saturn? Yep. That, that uh, was made in Japan, though. No, no, it was made in no, UK. Yeah, UK. Okay. Um, uh, uh, is this game part of a franchise? Yes. Do you play as a human? Yes. Do you, do you, do you raid tombs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> which one? Uh, yeah. Whoa, well, oh, well, now you know. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's fine. We would have we got it. <laughs> I was about to say, was this game Tomb Raider? <laughs> so we were gonna the answer was I... Tomb Raider. And for you audio listeners, uh, we just got screen wiped with the reveal. <laughs> so I guess that counts as 14 questions. Nice. Yeah, no. Yeah, because you, you, you would have had to still have guessed the game and that is if you got it. technically true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The original Tomb Raider, 1996. Loved that game. I played that game so much. I can't, I mean, nothing seemed more real than all like yeah. 64 polygons of, uh, it's of a, Lara Croft. Is the original not one. called Lara Croft Tomb Raider? No, it's just no, called it's Tomb Raider. No. Yeah. And in the, in the very, very original previews of Tomb Raider, you were going to play as a dude and a girl, or it was going to have multiplayer and you're going to play as both. Like, but there were two, like, two main characters before it became just her. I did not know that. Um, yeah, the game's weird. It's a weird, um, like the movement is all like grid based. Like you have to take yeah. like three squares to like wind, wind up and run and jump. Like it did not feel good like Mario 64, but obviously had lots of other great things going for it. Uh, and yeah. Strong atmosphere. You had to learn like, exactly how many steps it would take for the jump you wanted to take. <laughs> but I loved it. I think that was the game I got with my PlayStation. Mm. I've never yeah, I, it. How does the shooting work in it? I, you I auto aim. You, yeah, you just to, mash the button. So it's you auto Resident aim Evil to whatever. Style. Well, no, you don't. I mean, Resident Evil is an auto aim. Yeah, it's either up or down. Tank controls. No, it just like snaps onto an enemy, and then you just mash the trigger. And then you fire you button. jump. You're like doing like cartwheels <laughs> in the air while you're really? auto aiming the nearest tiger. Okay, so it's like it's like that's like the graphical showcase, but you're really it's kind of QTE basically. Uh, uh, I like call it QTE. 
it's a PlayStation One game with shooting, so the shooting was just bad. Like mm-hmm. there was no yeah. game on PlayStation One where the shooting mechanic was ever good. Well, and I bet I would guess that the very original Tomb Raider probably predates the DualShock. It yeah. probably had a digital D pad. <laughs> yeah, was oh, yeah. how you yeah. controlled it. Like yeah. it's wild. There's a great. I remember reading this great piece in Next Generation magazine, all about Tomb Raider. And yep. it was like the first time I was like, whoa, you can actually read about the development of video games and have it be thoughtful. Mm, uh, yeah. And, and I loved was, Next Generation oh, Magazine. I could not wait Same. for the next issue of Next Generation Magazine. I was like, these guys, these guys take video games seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. I, it was so wonderful. I was like, I could go to GamePro and there's a guy who looks like he just ate a real hot pepper telling me yeah. that game has a lot of 5.0 <laughs> fun factor. What era was Next Generation Magazine? It was... Uh, about this era later like later 90s. 90s mid 90s yeah yeah do we know next generation it was owned by imagine so yeah, yeah you probably do i think maybe pear might have written for it at some point yeah pear. yeah but it wasn't john davison because he was at he EGM. was at egm yeah. no uh the original ign imagine games network was the online component of next generation magazine and I was like, who, yeah. would, who would go online to read about video games? This is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Anyway, thank you for the suggestion. Andrew in Millican, Colorado, if you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, thank you, Seth. Uh, just so everyone knows, I'm kind of on, my wife and I are kind of on baby watch. We're going to be welcoming our second baby really any day now. So uh, I will be taking some time off in the not too distant future. But do not worry, Tina will be stepping in to host for me in my absence. So you will not. There will be no break in your regularly scheduled scoops. So I'm taking care of everything for you. That is a, that. Well, well, is an understatement. We'll edit them all out. <laughs> Damn, it's going to take care of them. <laughs> some of them, some of them are, will be impossible to edit, edit out. Anyway, I want everyone to know that we really, we, we had to persevere to bring you this episode of GameScoop, so I hope you enjoy it. My name is Damon. This is IGN GameScoop, and we're out.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.